0: Welcome to the Rooted Legacy Podcast. At Laurel Branch Church of God, we are devoted to developing an environment of engagement with Yahweh and hosting His presence attentively. Our hope is to help others become rooted in beloved identity and further the kingdom of God on this earth. From Pastor Seth Klein and the congregation at Laurel Branch Church of God, we hope this message brightens your day and changes your life. We pray that God blesses you and all that you do. Thanks for listening.
1: As I pray. For the opening up of of this sermon And that God would use me Father we thank you for this opportunity To come into your home and into your house God We're grateful for the opportunity That you've allowed us That you have invited us We are grateful for the invitation O Lord That you have given us to come into your presence And come into your home Father God as you host us Let us return that favor And let us host you well Let us be attentive to your presence Let us be attentive to your person God we know that if your presence is in the room then there has to be a person that comes along with that presence because the presence is indicative that the person is here. Father, and we know that you are here. God, we just cherish the moment of knowing we could come into this place, God, that may be to some in the middle of nowhere. But God, right now, we're not in the middle of nowhere. We're in the middle of everywhere, God. We're in the middle of your omnipresence. Presence. We're in the middle of you being the center and, and, and that which holds the everything together, God. We're in the midst of your presence, God. Right now, Father God, we know that all things are possible, God. We know that, God, that we are coming into a, a place of believing. And there is nothing, there is nothing impossible to the man or the woman that believes. And today, Father, I believe that we are in the midst of your presence. God, I believe you have a word for these people. Um, And I pray, God, that if it does not even come off the pages of my notes, it will come off of the pages of my heart in the conversations that you and I have shared over the previous weeks. Father, I give you the honor. I give you the glory. And, God, you are worthy of all the praise. And I thank you. And I give you honor in the name of Jesus, the name, Father, that we know. We know, God, that is above all other names. That is the name whereby death even surrenders, Father. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Uh, this morning, I'm going to again uh, just... Why do I even say this every morning? I, just, I guess I just do. It's, it's habitual. But this is a continuation, and this is a rollover, and this is just a follow-through of what I've been talking about previously over the last couple of weeks. Uh, basically, it's just... It's, just, it's, it's, a, uh, it's a current... And I really want you to understand and listen to the language that I'm using this morning when I say things like current and when I use terminologies that have to uh, uh, that pertain to rivers and streams. So, you know, we've talked over the last couple of weeks uh, about a conversation that Yahweh and I had uh, on, the, on the top of the mountain behind where I live. And, uh, you know, it started out with looking or holding a walnut hole and hearing the word of the lord talk about the significance of what i thought was dead he said isn't dead at all it's very much alive it is just transfigured from one form into another we've got to understand that listen listen to me very clearly here if you're born again you can't look like what you were i mean you you, it's it's unbiblical if that's even a word once you're born again you can't look like you were so that's why the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, I think it's 1 Corinthians, it might be 2 Corinthians, however, regardless where whether Paul said it. If any man be in Christ. You have to understand that there's a position here. You have to be in Christ and not in the world. Amen? So there's a position that you have to take and that position is being in Christ. And if you are in Christ, that man or that woman is a new creature, which means you don't look anything like you were. All things are being passed away. I believe that this is continual. I believe that there's a continual constant here. I don't believe that this scripture and the the context in which Paul was speaking it refer to or pertain solely to salvation. I believe that salvation was the window being opened up from heaven so that all of this could be poured out into a current or a flow. See, you got to understand that there's current but there's Constant. I'm not a very good electrician, but I know that if there's a current going from point A to point B, there is a constant source of electricity on point B because there is a constant source of electricity at point A. But if I do anything to disrupt or interrupt the flow or current of that electricity, there is no way that I can get the same power at point B that I have at point A. See, I want you to understand that point A is heaven, point B is earth. And what we do in the Spirit is our ability to conduct. See, we have to be a conductor of power and electricity. Amen? Am I, am I telling the truth? Any of you men that know a lot more about electricity than I do? So, so there, is a, there, is a, there is a continual constant That has to take place. And I believe that the continual constant that is taking place is the transforming of you further from the old and closer to the new. So the closer you get to Jesus, the further you look or even appear like the one you used to be. All things are passing away, all things are being made new. So there is there is a continual constant here. Do you know that when the river is receiving the resources of streams that continually uh, contribute? That's why they're contribute. That's why they're called contributaries, That there is a constant flow. There is nothing that breaks up or disrupts or interrupts the flow of that river. I want to give you a word here this morning. This is how many of you remember me speaking on a word that the Lord gave me when he uh, he. He awoke me out of my sleep early in the morning, and I heard the voice of the of Yahweh say, Pursue vital dreams. Chase vital dreams. We know that pursuing means that I have an intent. You gotta understand this too. Listen to me real closely. Uh, my dad used to have a saying growing up. What was that saying? As easy as falling off a log. It's as easy as falling off a log. I sit on a log, I fall off. Well, whatever I'm referring to is just as easy as that. Everybody in this room can sit on a log and fall off of it. Amen? But pursuing vital dreams is not as easy as falling off a log. Why? Because falling off a log is unintentional. It means you didn't mean for it to happen, it just happened. So therefore, that's how easy it is. You don't even have to mean for it to happen. But you've got to pursue and have the intent, it's got to be deliberate. If I walked up and smacked Jason right upside the head, nobody in this room could be able to argue that that wasn't deliberate. That I unintentionally smacked Jason upside the head. Y'all seen me walk 20 feet to get to Jason. Pull my hand back and smack him. There's nothing. You cannot be a legit eyewitness and say. Oh I don't believe he meant to. I know we could argue this all day long. That that Abraham was out in the middle of nowhere. And all of a sudden he heard a random voice come from heaven. And he answered it. And it was Jesus. Or it was God. But I'm telling you that it's not so easy. People will sit in their spot and sit in their place and refuse to move and say, God, if you need me to do this or you want me to do that or you need this or you want that, you're going to have to move me. That, that, it does not come so nonchalantly and it does not come so uh, unintentional. It's got to be deliberate. You You've got to have... Uh, there's, you, 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 you've got to have determination and you've got to deliberately move from point A to point B from one position into another position, from one posture into this posture because God has done moved. I won't say 100% of the cases, but I'll say 99.9% of the cases God's done moved in your circumstance. He just needs you to move in response to Him moving in the midst of your circumstance. Sometimes it's really not even you going from point A to point B. It's you coming alive in the position that you're at. Sometimes it's just giving him a little bit of acknowledgement. Saying, I know that he is alive. And he is alive forevermore. I know that the situation looks gloomy and dead. But he was once dead too. And the stone is rolled away. And he's not in the grave anymore. He's seated at the right hand of the throne of God Almighty. The Father interceding on the behalf of you and I daily and that gives me hope and that gives me a vital dream on the inside of me and the Lord says to you today chase the river come on we're dealing with parched and barren lands, as Brian brought out a few weeks ago. And how do, we cont- how, do, how do we contend with the barrenness that we're dealing with and what we're witnessing in our lands today? I'll tell you the answer to that it is prayer, but it has to be the right intent and the right, you have to have the right deliberation. I think I used that word right deliberate deliberation. You have to deliberately and specifically know what it is you're seeking. How, how do I know if we're dealing with dry and parched lands? It's actually a consequence of dry and parched churches. I'm glad you asked. I'm going to show you right here. Everybody, if you have your Bible, start, turns to 2 Chronicles 7 and 14. And you know what? I get so cracked up in myself, my spirit, I guess you could say, I don't mean this to be harsh, brash, rude, or even mocking, but if it comes across that way, then so be it. What we have done in the modernized church is we've used 2 Chronicles 7.14 as an anthem. And it's absolutely, utterly, utterly uh, useless. Why? Because we're just we're using it in hopes to stimulate people to celebrate nothing. You understand what I'm saying there? We're using it in hopes that we can manipulate people to celebrate nothing. See, there are people that are celebrating revival, but they're not actually in revival. Do, do you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know how many women can do this, but I legit had a blue tick coonhound one time that would have a false pregnancy about once a year. Her, 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 I don't know what you call them, dangly things. Yeah, that's a good word. I was going to say udders, but I'm not really sure. I know that's cows. Yeah. Would, would, would well up and swell up with milk, and her belly would begin to swell up. She would never have a litter of puppies, and she would do this, a false pregnancy about once a year. See, you can't be in revival and not be impregnated with the Spirit of God. But there's a lot of people going through the motions of revival, and it's a false pregnancy, if you will, and they're not birthing anything into their community. And they're using 2 Chronicles 7 and 14 as a false conception. You understand conception? See, children are conceived within the womb of the mother because of the connection and the unity of the mother and the father coming together as one. Okay. You cannot birth revival into the community until revival has first been conceived in the womb of your heart. And it will not be conceived in the womb of your heart if you are refusing and failing to give yourself intimately to the Father. Let me read this right here and I'm going to show you all some pretty cool stuff. We all know that if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Let's stop right there for just a minute. We use 2 Chronicles 7 and 14 and we leave all of that out that I just read. Here, and let, let, me, let me translate this for you in, in the modern and revised Seth Klein version. And I'm going to add a little bit and I'm going to take away and all you religious people just, you know, Don't worry about it. I won't add or take away. But to put this in layman's terms, the modernized, revised Seth Klein version, this this is the way it reads. If you're so worried about the condition of your community and your nation, then you need to fix the problem within you first. Because the condition... And the moral decay of your community and your nation is a direct consequence and result of your decay or your rot within your soul and within your spirit because you are too prideful to repent. Listen to what the Lord says to Solomon. If my people, which are called by my name, that is a plus. Check mark beside our name. Amen. We're the church. Every person in this sanctuary has been called by his name. You are now gods. Do you understand what that means? Those four blonde-headed kids that walk in and out of this door unruly sometimes, that's when they act like their mama. But I'm telling you right now, they're, they're, they're Seth and Brandy's kids. That's what they're called by our namesake. Everybody knows that those are Seth and Brandy's kids. And the world should know that you belong to Yahweh. Those are God's children. That's God's son or that's God's daughter. That's what that means. If my people who carry the title of son and daughter really care about their community. Or let's go a little bit further. If we really care about our sons and daughters. Then we have to understand that there's an appropriate behavior of me being a son and daughter of Yahweh. And he is correcting it right here. saying if you will humble yourself and pray, seek my face and repent or turn from your wicked ways. Then I will hear you. Rylan wants to play his video games when I walk in his room and it is a disaster. It has not been taken care of. It has been neglected. I say, "Uh uh-uh, homie boy, you get this room cleaned up. But if you ever want the privilege of playing your game again, the God, God is saying that to the church. Clean up your house if you want me to clean up your nation. And I, I, I don't know when I'll get through this, but I will I hopefully will get you closer, nearer to the end of what the Lord has been sharing with me. Maybe within the next two months. I believe it may take two months for me to get out everything that the Lord is pouring into me for you right now. So that, that's a Salah moment. That literally means you need to be here and you need to understand and, and, and be attentive to what I'm saying. Because I don't, I really, again, I'm not braggadocious when I say this. If you want a sermon that is textbook, there's many other churches in the community that can give you textbook sermons. I'm not going to give textbook sermons. I'm going to give you what the conversations, uh, uh, what, what, what the conversations are filled with, the revelation of God. When he speaks to me, I'm going to speak it to you. And, and here, here's really, I need, you know, do you know that? How, how complicated is it for you to read the Bible and get from Genesis to Revelations and not really understand it all because there was stuff in the middle you didn't really uh, pertain or you didn't retain? I had that conversation early when I came here. A man approached me and he said, You know what? He said, uh, he said, sometimes I think you preach, uh, you just preach on too much stuff. Uh, you, you preach above our heads a little bit. And uh, so, you know, we're not really getting everything. He said, well, you, you need to kind of explain it a little bit better. My response to him was, well, if you would come on every Sunday throughout the month and you would come on every Wednesday throughout the month, you would know that throughout those weeks when I bring something out, I've already previously explained it. So if you're not getting it, it's indicative that you weren't here. Period. And I meant every word of that. I still mean that today, and I never just go from, 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 from one period into the next paragraph without reviewing the, first, the previous paragraph first. I always review on Sunday morning so that I could try to bring everybody up to par because I understand that sometimes I need to jog your memory you may not have you, you have retained it, but it may be lost in a shuffle, and all i got to do is just shake things up and there it is you remember it then that 's why I ask you periodically, do you remember when I began to teach about this certain or specific subject or this word of the Lord that the Lord gave me and everybody 's like yeah 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 okay well here 's really how that that, that that fits in and ties into this okay that 's really where i believe that we're set apart and notice I said we're that's all inclusive of all of us we're set apart because see anybody can regurgitate what they've heard from someone else and I believe that all revelation that comes from God can be applicable to any situation But I believe that God is speaking specific revelation into every region across the nation. And until we begin to hear the voice of God as it pertains to where we're at now. We'll never move forward to where He needs us to be when His now and our now come together. Okay, there's general understanding of the scriptures, amen? Everybody in the church ought to know and believe that Jesus died for our sins on a cross, was buried for three days in a borrowed tomb. The stone was rolled away. We know the story. Everybody needs to believe that. But we also have got to understand that the, word speaks, the, the, the Lord speaks in the word of revelation. And there are things that the Lord will speak that are, that are relational to our now, here and now, that will get us into the next elevation or to the next level of glory, from glory to glory to glory. Amen? We, 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 here, here is the general understanding of the, of, of the Bible. Jesus died for my sins, I'm saved, I'm not going to hell, glory, hallelujah. One glad morning, when this life is over, I'll fly away, amen. But the depth of the gospel actually says that his heaven can be in the midst of my earth now. Which is actually actually what I'm telling you, is that your now and his now come together simultaneously at the same time. And our nows are our nows. His now is my now, my now is his now. Come up hither, and I will show you things that must come hereafter. Huh? Why? Because he's needing to elevate you and your perception. This is all review. Amen? Right? Mm hmm. Thank you. He needs, to elevate your, he needs to elevate you so that He can extend your perception. Because if He can extend your perception, you need to understand that there's a Spirit of God on the inside of you that when you begin to claim what you see in the near future, you can declare those things that aren't as though they are. So you, let me rephrase that for you. You can declare those things that are to come as they are now. Huh? When my healing comes, why do we got to wait? It's already been done. You may have to just let him elevate your position, so he can extend your perception. So that what I say, Frank, you got it last week. What I say when the Bible says that He knows His thoughts that He thinks towards us to prosper us and not of evil, and to give us an expected end. What did I say that expected end actually translates to the ability to see the future? Reason I pick it on Frank because he he really he, he you got it last week, my homie. But I'm just jogging his memory a little bit. To give you an expected end. Do you know what the word actually is translated there? This is how it should have been translated. That God already knows his thoughts for you. And they're out here. But he has given you the ability, the expected end, to see the future and prophesy them now. Come on. That is the biblical definition of that scripture. He's given you the ability to see those things that aren't and declare them as they are. He's given you the ability to see those things that are to come and declare them as now. So let's get back to Second Chronicles 7 and 14. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves, there's a biggie. Most of us know I taught on the sense of a false humility and how that disqualifies you in many facets of ministry. First you have to humble yourself. Then you've got to pray and you've got to seek His face and you've got to turn from your wicked ways which is repenting. So when it says if, it puts a big if. It puts a... It, it, Basically, here, let me put this in lamest terms. He put the ball in our court. I don't like the ball being in my court. But what that means is it's my responsibility now. Okay, let's go on. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins. And we'll heal their land. So let's count the things that actually have to happen before we begin to see healing in our land. Okay, we have to be called by his name. Check that off. We have to be humbled. Please, I hope we check that off. or if we, if we need to work towards checking that off. We need to pray. Okay, let me clarify some things up. I don't necessarily believe prayer is what you do when you set a time aside. I, and I'll tell you, let me, let me explain something. I'm reading a book, or have read a book, and I'm reading it again. It's a little short pocketbook, uh, not a woman's pocketbook. When I say pocketbook, it's pocket size book. A tab over there laughing because I'm carrying around a pocketbook. But it's of a guy named Brother Lawrence, and that's all anybody ever has known him by. He wrote this book in the 14th century, or the 1400s. And he wrote this book, and it's called Practicing the Presence. It's a really good book. And he says this in that book. He says, I believe that we have made a, 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 a great mistake to believe that any other time is different from our prayer time. Brother Lawrence begins to allude to how he continues his dialogue with God. And that his entire lifestyle is a prayer. We've talked about prayer being a lifestyle. So really I believe that when God is saying that we must pray. He's saying that we need to live the lifestyle of prayer Continually, in communion, continual, constant with Him. Okay? And seek His face. We know that the New Testament says, If we will seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Let me tell you something about that scripture. The kingdom of God is the reality of His kingdom. His righteousness has a name. His name is Yeshua. Yeshua. So, actually, if we want to understand that scripture better, it is to pursue the kingdom and its king, and then everything else will follow into suit. If you have an issue in life, the answer is seeking ye first Jesus. And I'm, I got some stuff I'll go there later, but the Lord's been dealing with me. And I'm, and, and I'm going to just share, some, I'm going to kind of allude to what I'm going to go with there. In a statement that the Lord shared with me. Pertaining to 2 Chronicles 7 and 14. Okay. So we've got all of that out of the way. How many, how many uh, requirements are there before He heals our land? How many do we get? Five? There's five total. Hmm? That's, that's kind of funny. Five being the number for grace. There's five requirements. And when we meet those five requirements. The, or the outcome and the outpouring is His grace. Here's something that we got to understand. And for so long, I, I, I differentiated between the fear of the Lord and grace. But grace actually gives me the ability to understand the fear of the Lord. We we think the fear of the Lord is when we're in complete awestruck Or we're afraid to look up because He's going to strike us Or we're we're afraid to move because He's going to smite us No, the fear of the Lord is is the understanding that the presence of God Is around you, upon you, and within you And you cannot fathom it And it begins to make you feel weak It begins to make you feel vulnerable It begins to make you feel susceptible, but only to His power. Listen, because in my weakness, He is made strong. Come on. If I feel vulnerable and susceptible only to His power, it then gives me the eternal feeling that I can be the victor in this world. So grace, to grace, when His grace gives me the ability to fall or even to to operate under the fear of the Lord, it actually gives me the ability to be the victor in this earth. The fear of the Lord. I believe that we must pray for the fear of the Lord now more than ever. And I'll tell you why. Going back to 2 Chronicles 7 and 14, I believe that if the fear of the Lord does not fall, then the consequence will be first the wrath of God falling. And I believe that if we desire for the wrath of God to be postponed, then we must first pray intercessively for the fear of the Lord to fall first. I believe this is going back to the opportunity that I had in the capital to pray for the fear of the Lord to fall in the state of West Virginia. And when the fear of the Lord begins to fall in the state of West Virginia, I believe that rivers and streams and contributaries of that great mighty river will begin to swell and rise. And I believe that we will begin to see a great covering of this great mountain state in the presence, the grace, and the fear of the Lord. And the people will then begin to tremble in His presence again because you will not be able to stand within the mighty presence of the torrent of the Holy Ghost when begins to fall into the presence of a humbled people. Come on. Guess what happens when we do this collectively and come together. In the last days he will pour his spirit out upon all flesh. And your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. While we're pursuing here vital dreams. I'm going to tell you what the vital dream is. you with me? The Lord appears to Joseph in a what? Dream. And he tells Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For that holy thing on the inside of her has been conceived of the Holy Ghost. And it is the son of the Most High God. The Lord spoke to me and he said, that's the river. And I need you to chase the river. Because there's a dream, or let's say there's a hope on the inside of the church. And when we chase the river, you know what a contributory does? It chases the river. Because the contributory, do you know what we're called? Laurel Branch. Do you know why we're called Laurel Branch? Because there's a stream that runs through this community, and it contributes to the Clear Fork. The Clear Fork then contributes to the Guyan. The Guyan then contributes somewhere down uh, into the. It's either is it the Kanawha or the Ohio? I'm thinking either one, either one. If it, it it doesn't matter, it still contributes to the same place, and it ends up in the same place. So it therefore has a it has a role to contribute what the Lord has poured into it to the greater cause. Amen? So I have then become a stream. And my whole existence is to pour myself out into the river. Do you know what happens when I pour myself out into the river? It's a continual constant. Amen? It goes from point A to point B. But when I get to point B, I disappear into the existence of the river. And you can, what did I say last week? You'll never be able to tell who makes up the great mighty river by staring at the river. All you can do is be an awestruck wonder of the river. Does the contributaries matter? Not necessarily, but most definitely. Because you're contributing to a greater cause. And that is for every ear to have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's for every person in your community to see the transformative restoration that has taken place in your life. Because you were willing to go in head first into the river. Hmm? My preaching this morning? I'm preaching pretty daggone good. The Holy Ghost is preaching. I preached a little good and got y'all riled up. Now I'm getting ready to pop the balloon again. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. The church has got to be forgiven of their sins first. The church has got to repent, therefore, of their sins before they can be forgiven, and it requires and recalls or it requires and demands for those two things to take place. Those are the prerequisite for us to then begin to see the restoration of our nation. You've got to understand, we've got to quit pointing the finger at the wicked ones and start looking in the mirror, okay? Who was it? Gandhi, I think, that said, be the change that you want to see in the earth? Was that Gandhi? Or am I just pulling that out of my hat? It was Gandhi? Of all people, I knew Brian would know that. He, he really is a plethora of like some... He was pretty good. You know, if you want Randy Savage quotes or Gandhi quotes, he's your man. So we really have to understand that if I want my if I want my community to be restored, there has to be a transformative restorative Process that takes place in me first. I've got to be in Christ. A new creature. Old things passed away. All things being made new. At the same time. The continual constants. I've got to understand that I have have a role as a contributory. To make the mighty river that much more mightier. Even though I might be insignificant and minute here. What causes me to be the greatest contributory to the river? Humility. A prayerful lifestyle. Seeking his face, which would be chasing the river. <clears throat> Repenting. Understanding. The understanding that what I do has a great effect on the nation or the community with around me. Whether negative or positive. Obedience. What did the man say earlier? Obedience. A man gave his life to the Lord solely because another man was obedient to the Lord. Hmm. I'm not talking about works. Do you know how much effort the stream exerts to get from point A to point B to empty itself into the river? None. But what does it do? It gets into the flow. It becomes the current. And the current leads itself into chasing the river to where it becomes a part of the current. That then begins to change things in this earth. I'm going to prove this to you. Why does he tell Solomon what he says in verse 14? Because he previously comes to Solomon... In verse 12, and the Lord appeared to Solomon by night. Could we all agree that quite possibly a dream? And said unto him, I heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for an house of sacrifice. But if I shut up the heavens that there be no rain. Or if I command the locusts to devour the land. Or if I send pestilence among my people. He says this is what you need to do. Okay, the prerequisite for the heavens being shut up, the locusts devouring, and pestilence among the people. What is the prerequisite there? The sin within the people of God. The pride and unrepentant hearts of the people within, or the hearts of the people called by Yahweh's name what caused the pestilence what caused the locust what causes the famine the lack of a people seeking his face hmm? this is not popular gospel here this is not popular preaching but I can assure you that if it changes you you will then change the world Because if you will allow the liberty of the Spirit to release the river on the inside of you. Do you know what Bill Johnson said about the Holy Ghost? Bill Johnson says this is the Holy Ghost. Bill Johnson says the Holy Ghost is within you, but he wants out. The Holy Ghost is in you as a river, not a lake. What does Jesus say in John chapter 7 verse 38. Those that believe as the scripture saith. Out of their bellies shall flow rivers of living waters. Contributaries to the great mighty river. Do you understand that before the flood. Most biblical teachers and scholars. believed that there was no rain. No rain had fallen upon the face of the ground. That's why it was so confounding. Most, most, most believe. Most, most theorize, if you will. Most believe that. That's why it was so confounding to the people when Noah began to tell them that this big thing that he was building was going to float because there was a law, a principle called buoyancy, and there was a thing going to be called a flood. And the flood came as a consequence of rain, and rain came as a consequence. What are you talking about, Noah? Let me share some stuff with you. So we have to understand that the prerequisite for the conditions of our nation is first the condition of our heart and the unrepentive and the, the unrepentive refusal to seek His face. Do you know why most of us don't seek His face continually like it has us to do? Because when you stare into the face of perfection, it only amplifies your imperfections. But let me say this. Only when you seek His face from an unrepentant perception. Because what happens when you come humbly, let me say that, to the throne of grace... Grace then permits you to see him and yourself through the lens of his perfection. Why do most of us not pursue the face of God? Because we pursue it from the wrong perspective and the wrong perception. We pursue it wondering what God is going to pick out in our lives that does not measure up. Let me, let me give you something else that Brother Lawrence begins to, he begins to teach. Really, pick up this book. It's called Practicing the Presence. Literally, for like $1.99, you can get it off of Christian book distributors and have it at your house in like six or seven days. And it may only take you uh, three or four hours to read it all. And that's really meditating and reflecting on what it says. Now, listen to what he says. He says that <clears throat> when he realized that the elevated position of God and who he was, but yet he still desired to come and commune with him, It humbled him, but yet gave him the grace to pursue the presence of God. And when he began to pursue the presence of God, this is what he found out. And I'm just, this is like, you know, this is my paraphrase of what Brother Lawrence said. He said, when I began to walk in the presence of God, something phenomenal I discovered. When he talks with me, he never, ever, ever brings up. All the sin and bad that I've done, and He never, ever, ever brings up what He did and all that He done to forgive me of those sins. Two things that are so unimportant to God when we actually come to Him through humility and repentance—it's no longer of—it it's, 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 is absolutely no longer important to Him. He wants to walk in moments that you and He can cherish forever. He does not want to remind you of your shortcomings. Nor does He want to remind you of His righteousness and His sacrifice that allowed you the grace to walk in His presence. He is just ecstatic that He can now walk in your presence because you have accepted the gift of His grace. Come on. Listen, do you understand this? It is an offense to not accept a gift that someone gives you. How many people within the church are offensive to God because they refuse His free gift of grace? Hmm? I'm not worthy. No, you're not. But it is irrelevant to him. Why? Because he is the greatest expression of love. And the greatest expression of love. And the greatest expression of authority. This is what I believe is mercy. I have authority to destroy you. But I am going to preserve you. That's the greatest expression of love and authority. Amen. Tomorrow morning. Before you do anything else, verbally acknowledge his presence by saying, good morning, my Lord. I could tell you, do you you know what Smith Wigglesworth done? They asked him how he had such a close relationship with God. He said that when his eyes opened up first thing in the morning, he sprung out of the bed. And he fast danced and sung praises unto God for an hour. And then sat down to meditate upon his word that is awesome. I'm not fast dancing just because I don't fast dance and I got two left feet. But I can wake up the first thing in the morning and say, good morning, my Lord. Walk this day with me. And if ever I do or think or say anything that is offensive, God give me a gentle and delicate reminder that I may turn again back into your presence. Because listen, do you know what David said in Psalms 51? I know that I have sinned and I'm not worthy for your presence. But please take not your Holy Spirit away from me. Turn not your face away from me. Take not your spirit away from me. Come on, you ought to understand that when you offend God. Do you remember the story that I told? That when I began to just really cry out in frustration to God. It felt as though there was an absence and I was disconnected from Him. And the Lord came back and He said, Do you know, He said, When you say those things to me, I know you don't mean them. But it's still hurtful. And just like you, listen to me. When somebody says something hurtful to you, you remove yourself from their presence because you don't want them to see you cry. Sometimes our offense causes God to step away for a moment because He does not want to see us. He does not want us to see the offense upon His face. God is so graceful and so merciful, listen to me, church, that He extends the grace to not allow you to see His hurt from your offenses. Because some of us would never get over being the cause of His offense. Amen? Brandy has hurt my feelings, and I went into another room to cry. And she laughs. Evil. Christians, Christians laughing too, Brian. So they And as I go into the other room and I settle down and I come to my senses, I'll take off my glasses and I'll wipe the tears away from my face before I come back into the room because I don't want her to see that I was hurt. Why? Because I'm a man and I'm not supposed to cry or be hurt. I'm supposed to be masculine and superior. Hmm. It don't. It don't. The unwritten rule of masculinity, it's in there somewhere, but I haven't found that either. Where does this nature in me come from? The nature of God. Let me. you got to understand, and I've taught this before. The rich young ruler comes to Jesus and calls him good master, and he says, wait a minute. Why do you call me good? There is none but one. There is none good but God. Here's how that conversation actually took place. He says, I know that you're God because there's none good but you are good. And Jesus looks at the rich young ruler and he says, yes, I am God. Because I am good. See there is no virtue that comes from within the essence of man. That was not given to that man by the essence of God. So even the most heinous and cruel evil and wicked men. If they ever 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 done anything of charity or anything good. It was because there was still a residue of the DNA of the one that was good in them. We read stories all the time about gangsters and mafia, you know, the mafia or, or motorcycle gangs that do, do great and wonderful things for the community, but you know, there's things that are done behind closed doors that we all know that are of the devil. You cannot do anything good if it is not by the influence of the one who is good and the one alone that is good. Somebody's happy. What if we all got the Holy Ghost like that? The world, the world couldn't hold him. And again, great point. The Holy Ghost is in you, but he wants to get out. Because he's in you as a river, not as a lake. There, there really is. <clears throat> you remember... I think, well, whoever it was, I'm not down with my popes, but I think it was Pope Francis said of the uh, upper room. He began to call or began to describe the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in the day of Pentecost. And he began to uh, expound upon the great torrent that was. See, we've got to understand something here as a church that has been blinded by wrong theology. The Holy Spirit didn't fall and then God cut it off. I I, I know that it seems that way. And there's a lot of sensationalists that believe that way. That God poured it for a moment and then cut it off. But you got to understand that things, when He begins to pour things into the realm of the earth, there is nothing, that He does nothing to cut them off. We only do things to stop receiving it. Because His goodness is a continual constant. His grace is a continual constant. His mercy is a continual constant. His love for you is a continual constant. Be comforted in that this morning. Death, Depth nor height, principality or power. Paul says nothing can separate you from the love of God. But the presence of God and the face of God requires for us to humble ourselves, to pray, to then seek his face, turn from our wicked ways, and then he would hear us from heaven. I'm going to tell you that the answer of him, when he hears his people from heaven... The answer sounds like the rushing sound of many waters. We know that the prerequisite of the condition of our nation. Is the condition, the internal condition of the church, the heart. Hmm? But when we get over the internal condition of the heart by way of repentance. Repentance. He then answers our prayers. We can pray all day long. But if it's out of the wrong intent. I believe that if it's casual. If it is even slightly judgmental. It's a turn off to him. So you've got to understand, you have to visualize our prayers ascending into the heavens. You've got to understand that according to the Bible, in the book of Genesis. Genesis 7, 11 and 12. Real quickly, in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened. And rain was upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. If you go on down to Genesis verse 7 and 20, it says, 15 cubits cubits upward did the waters prevail, and the mountains were covered. Mount Everest is 29,029 feet. The waters were 29,051 and a half feet deep. They covered the entire face of the earth. What was the prerequisite for the windows being opened? It was first the fountains of the deep being broken. What is brokenness? It's humility. What is it going to take for the church to get their prayers answered? It's going to be brokenness and humility. It's going to be limitations. It's going to be our tears streaming down our face. And for our faces to be projected and postured and positioned towards heaven. Saying, Lord, we know. We know that you can hear us. Hear the brokenness and the sincerity in the sound of our voice. And there is a reaction. Do you know that there are things that cannot come together without a reaction? Let me tell you, our sincerity and His sympathy cannot come together without a reaction. Amen. When I pray in sincerity, He then shows me sympathy. Because He feels with me and for me. Now out of the person of Jesus, however, we have empathy. Jesus has dealt with everything you and I have dealt with. No temptation has come on upon you except that which is common to man. But God, with the temptation, will also provide you a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. The way, that the way of escape has a name. His name is Jesus. Jesus knows the very feelings of your temptation because he was tempted with everything and greater things than you and I have ever been tempted with. So I say sympathy, but what I really mean is empathy. The only reason I say sympathy because it starts with an S the same as sincerity. But Jesus, okay, let me say it this way. Our sincerity causes him to feel with sympathy. But Jesus is at the right hand of God Making intercession for us, which causes him to pray to God with empathy because he feels with us. Hmm? So you've got to understand that if we're going to look at the scientific process of osmosis, what goes into the heavens and accumulates in the form of clouds, then begins to return to the earth in form of precipitation, which is rain. So if we want him to begin to answer, his answer comes as the voice. Listen, let me show you something here. The fountains of the deep were broken up And the windows of heaven were opened And it began to rain Listen, you've got to understand that From a religious mindset The rain here represents judgment But what it actually represented Was grace falling upon a righteous family Amen Would anybody disagree? Let let, let me prove this. Let me prove this. Noah stood before the people as the first evangelist of grace. God is going to destroy this earth if you do not turn from your wicked ways. And they laughed at Him and mocked at Him. He come out again and said, I'm building this for your security. And I'm building this for your safety. And this is my obedience to the Lord. Will you come? Will you come? Everyone is invited. I'm compelled of the Lord to give you the invitation. It was the invitation of grace and they refused it. Why? Because the earth was wicked. But there was grace and there was mercy in the form of an ark and in the form of rain. And it was given through an invitation to anyone that would accept it. And they would be preserved It rains on the just and the unjust alive. It determines what you receive from it is how you perceive it. Grace. The land was wicked and the earth began to cry out. From within its now there's some words here I want you to understand matrix the womb. It began to agonize and travail. It began to hurt. It began to be remorseful, and the remorse turned to repentance. And the 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 fountains of the deep were broken up. And there was a consequence. There was a reaction of when what was happening in heaven met with what was happening in the earth. And something began to form. And it began to form in the process of rain. Or it began to form in the form of rain. And rain began to fall. When our prayers ascend into the heavens, His voice falls in the form of rain as grace upon ears that will hear. Come on, if you have an ear to hear, then you must hear. But if you decide that it is not for you and take no heed to the Word of God, it becomes then an accountability. I know this is a lot. How can you expect me to contain it when this is utterly uncontainable? Fifteen cubits upward did the waters prevail, and the mountains were covered. All the high places on the planet, every high place. Which is symbolic to idolism was covered. Nothing remained uncovered. Grace cannot come without the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. And the glory, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as do the waters cover the seas. Amen. That scripture has been prophetically given after the flood. I believe that the flood was the initiative for the earth to then begin to receive the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Do you know how... How do you receive knowledge? By hearing. Faith, of course. Knowledge of the Lord comes by hearing. Okay. How would they call upon the one whom they have not heard of? Easy. There is a preacher. Who was the first biblical preacher? His name was Noah. He gave them knowledge. Your knowledge is completely ineffective without the faith to believe in it. Huh? Even the devils believe that there's but one God and they tremble, but it's useless to them because they have no faith. Faith is obedience to do what thus saith the Lord. Why is the community dying? Because there's a church failing to adhere to the word of the Lord and be obedient. To the heartbeat of God. I believe that that was I believe that that was the initiative to initiate the knowledge of the glory of God because it covered every high place on planet earth. It covered every idol. It covered every altar in the presence of the waters. Is this not indicative to those that believe as the scriptures say out of their belly shall flow rivers of living waters? If we're dealing with parched and dry land just because we're not overflowing with the goodness of Christ. And if we're not overflowing with the goodness of Christ you have to look at what the scriptures say and it's because you don't believe In my notes, I wrote that the sound of the streams coming out of from within the depths of the mountains, coming together to form the great river is greatly refreshing to the spirit, revitalizing and renewing to those who've waited patiently for the blessings of heaven to fall. I need you to understand and stay with me for just a minute when I say that when he answers our prayers, it comes in the former, it comes into the sound of mighty rushing waters. Ezekiel 43 and 2 says, And behold, the glory of God of Israel came from the way of the east. And his voice was like a noise, or to better translate it, a sound of many waters. And the earth shined with his glory. The glory of God of Israel came from the way of the east. Do you know that the east is always indicative to the beginning? The sun comes up where? The beginning of every new day starts in the east. New beginnings starts in the east. Do you understand that the start never ends? It's ever continual. Because nothing you do can stop the rising of the sun. So the dawning of a new day is a continual constant. And the glory of the Lord arises in the presence of the sun every dawn. So behold the glory of God of Israel came from the way of the east. It was from the beginning and it will never cease. And his voice was like a sound of many waters. When he answers our prayers, it will be in the form of the torrent of many waters coming from the windows of heaven being opened. I'm losing some of you, but are you with me? It came as the sound of many waters and the earth shined with His glory. His response does not ever come absent His glory. His response to your prayers will never come without His glory. His glory will shine upon your countenance when He begins to answer your prayers because it is then evidence that God has spoken. How do I know this? Because Moses went up to Mount Sinai and the Lord spoke to him the Ten Commandments and when he came off from off the mountain his face shone with the glory. When God speaks to you, you will shine with the glory and the community will see the evidence of the observance of His glory on your face. His answer will come as a sound of a mighty torrent, a sound of a mighty river. Turn to Revelation chapter 1. I'll go from 10 to 15, only because I think 10 is so cool. John says in chapter 1 and verse 10 of the book of Revelations, he said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. You have to understand that John was still physically on the island of Patmos, but simultaneously in the Spirit was in the realms of heaven. Proves my theory that you can be in two places at one time. You can be in two dimensions at the same time. And listen, it's almost, it's almost oxymoronic for me to say this. At the same time as you being in two, two dimensions at one time, both dimensions are one and the same. God, that's good. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let me tell you, this needs to be your prayer. I'm not, listen, I'm not better than Jesus. Uh-uh, no way. But let me help you better understand what Jesus is saying. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in me, in this earth, as it would be through you in heaven. Simultaneously, my dimension, his dimension becomes the same dimension. As I, through the Spirit, am in two places simultaneously and two dimensions simultaneously, those dimensions simultaneously come together as one and the same. So John says this, I was minding my business. No, actually he was probably meditating and reflecting on God because there was nothing else he had to do. He was exiled, you know. They tried to kill this cat every way they knew how and they just gave up and said, well, just let him go out there and suffer by himself. He was never alone. It's hard for me to fathom It's it's real A believer being alone He'll never leave you nor forsake you He sticks closer than a brother He will be with you always Even to the ends of the age Come on You have to understand that if you feel alone, it's not because he walked out on you. It's because you walked out on him. He gives subtle, delicate, gentle hints and calls you back into his presence. Here's how my youngest does when I tell him not to go somewhere. Never skips a beat, just keeps on strolling. He's just a baby. Meaner and Jesse James, well, Meaner and Brandy Roberts, I'll tell you that. But I, I I can't do that. If I start walking in the wrong direction and I hear the Lord say my name, I stop. You ever know that hurting feeling in your spirit? It's because you're grieving the Holy Spirit. And because your spirit and his spirit uh, have witnessed with one another, you begin to feel the offense that hurt the Holy Spirit. And you begin to say, what have I done? Come on, if you're not feeling that, man, you need to check yourself. If we can just stroll right on out of the presence of God and not bat an eye, we need to check ourselves because God's saying, wait. Wait. I love you. Please come back to me. Can I prove it? Yes, on the cross. What does Paul say? That he who knew no sin became sin that he might reconcile us back to God and then, therefore, gives us the gospel of reconciliation. He wants to unite us back into unity with him. It's a gospel and a theory of oneness. I won't even call it a theory. Let me go on. This is what the Lord said saying, I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last continual constant. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last What thou seest, write in a book And send it unto the seven churches Blah, 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 go down to verse 12 And I turned to see the voice that spake With me, and being turned I saw seven golden candlesticks And in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks One like unto the Son of Man Clothed with garment down to the foot And girt about with paps With a golden girdle, his head And his hairs were white like wool As white as snow, and his eyes Were as the flame of fire, and his Feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in the furnace, and his voice what's it say about his voice was as the sound of many waters. When he answers your prayers, be ready, because with his answers comes a flood. What is significant about the flood of God? When the flood of God came into the earth, it actually came with the restorative, transformational power to revive humanity in the earth. A righteous remnant that had found grace in the eyes of Yahweh. The flood will come into your life and it will bring about a grace in your life that will allow you to start over. Do you know what Noah's name meant? Rest. Do you know what God done through a man named Rest? He restored the earth. Do you know what God done through a man named Rest? He restored humanity. Do you know that the root word of restoration is rest? Hm? So through a man named Rest, the Lord wrought restoration to humanity. Obedience. Are we are, are y'all are we we still here? Give me a few minutes. His answers to our prayers will open up the windows of heaven. It will turn back God shutting the windows in 1st 2nd Chronicles 7 and 13. It will then begin to release what the Lord has withheld. Grace is being released into your circumstance. So that by the grace and the flood of His presence, you can then dis- distribute or you can then be- become a contributory of that same grace. Do you know there's a spiritual symbolism to the church? And it- Listen to me. Turn with me to Psalms 46. Let's go ahead and stand, and I'll let you go. I need you to understand that. I want want you to be reflecting and meditating on the words that have been spoken here throughout the week, the remainder of this week. Chase the river, pursue vital dreams. The Lord spoke unto Joseph in a dream and said that the holy thing within the womb of Mary is conceived of the Holy Ghost. I want you to understand that out of your bellies, if you believe, shall flow rivers of living waters. I want you to understand that the consequence uh, of our disobedience results in the, uh, the destructive... uh, atmosphere and environment That our nation is in And the only way to bring Restorative revival Back into a nation That is desolate and deteriorating Is to humble ourselves Pray, seek his face And repent of our wicked ways Then he will hear us from heaven Once he hears us from heaven His answer returns into, hev- or into the earth In the form of a sound Of mighty rushing waters I believe that there is a river There's a song that used to say I hear the sound of a river coming down A river coming down And I say let the windows of heaven being opened Be opened as a response to your brokenness As our brokenness in heart comes together As our contrite and broken spirit comes together Not sacrifices The answer will flow The word of God in Psalms 46 starting with verse 4 says, There is a river, and the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High, that is you. There is a river and then there are streams. Those are contributaries to the river. Those contributaries, when they act out of obedience, make happy the city of God. Or they make glad the city of God. That holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. Raise your hand if you are a tabernacle of the Most High. What does the next verse say? God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved, God shall help her, and that right early. Let me give you a, visual, a visualization here. Mary, a 13 year old defenseless kid that said, I have your way with me Lord in the act of obedience knew that she would have been justifiably stoned to death for harlotry. tree. Said, it does not matter. I know that if I say yes, his promise and his purpose will not come without provisions. And his perfect protection. She said, yes Lord, have your way with me and god was around her yet he was in the midst of her why because fear ye not joseph to take mary unto thee as thy wife because that holy thing that has been conce- that is in her has been conceived of the holy ghost And when it is in her, it wants out of her. And when it is birthed from without of her matrix or her womb, it will then begin to birth progeny. One life after another after another. Why? Because you were born again because He was first born. Come on. Come on. Leonard Ravenhill once said that if you get more excited for the return of Jesus rather than the presence of Jesus, you need to check yourself. I can't wait till he returns. He never left me. He never left me. So I'm not waiting around for him to come back to me. I was the prodigal son once, once. I don't think true prodigal sons ever become the prodigal son a second time. Why? Because I went back into the loving tenderness and the loving grace of my father's house. And there he restored to me all that I squandered. And then some. He did not save a robe for me. He reserved his robe for me. There is a river, and she is a church. And within the matrix or the womb of that church, there is being a birthing of streams and contributaries that are taking place. Every contributory receives from the same source as the one they contribute to. Do you see that? Do you see that, Jason? Everything first falls from heaven that it may be the resource to both the contributaries and that which is contributed to. You are receiving Listen to what I'm about to tell you here What you received from heaven Was never for you to retain It was for you to release Because there was a torment Somewhere down the current Somewhere down the line That the Lord released the resources into you That you would then release the resources Into the church So that you would then begin to give To the vital lifeline of the church You would begin to give to the vital lifeline To the earth Which is ultimately the church Because Jesus is alive On the inside of you. Come on. That's a word. And if we'll just get a hold of it, and if you'll believe it, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you think that you can't do what I do, you're fooled. Because I shouldn't be able to do what I do. I shouldn't be able to talk to you the way that I talk to you. I shouldn't have an opportunity to talk to Him the way that I talk to Him. Well, it's grace and the same grace that was distributed to me was distributed to you. And it is abundantly and excessively full. Why are you here, Pastor Seth? Because I incline my ear and heed to the Word of God. If I'm not hearing from God, it's because I've replaced myself. Replaced myself. Because if I'm not where He placed me, I'm only where I placed myself. i replaced myself. And that's not my destiny. That's why I refuse to try to promote myself. Come on. Why? Because i got a journey. My journey is a pursuit. What am I pursuing? The vital dreams. The vital face of Yahweh. So that the hope on the inside of me will continue to be alive. I'm telling you there's going to be a birthing of a church from within the church apart or out of the church. And now there's going to be a remnant that begins to grow up within a community. There's going to be a remnant that begins to emerge into a community that comes out of the matrix where God planted Himself. Where Not Himself. Where God Planted his dreams. Go to your mama, son. See, I told you he didn't listen to nothing I said. I want you just for a second, close your eyes. Here, I'll take him. Come here. Race. Come on. Come on, Holmes. First time in his life he's listened. There's hope. There's hope. Y'all keep praying, okay? Close your eyes and I I want you to place your hand upon your heart. No, we're not going to recite the Pledge of Allegiance and I'm not singing the Star Spangled Banner. But I want you to place your hand over your heart and I want you to know underneath your hand is where God has put his dreams for you. Come on. Underneath your hand is where God has placed his dreams for you. What is his dream for you? Himself. He dreams and he longs to have communion with you. So much so that he's willing to put himself into your heart. And there is his dreams for you. His dream for you is himself. Within your heart there's a river. When the Bible says out of your bellies, that word can be translated as a few different things. It can be translated as belly. It can be translated as heart. It can be translated as matrix or a womb. Or it can simply be translated as a soul of a man. And there's many ways we can go here and we're going to explore every one of them. But I want you to know with your hand over your heart that you have placed your hand over the internal and eternal dreams that Yahweh has had for you. And those dreams consist of Himself, His presence, and His face. That means that He has dreamt for communion with His bride. Come on. Do you not understand that you are His dream girl? You are his dream bride, and he has created you. He has created you according to his likeness. He likes the way you look, he loves the way you appear to him. Grace. Grace has the power to see no imperfections. And He stares at you through the lens of grace. And He sees not the things that you did, that you have used to deem yourself unworthy. He said, I love you. Come unto me. Why are we so standoffish when the Lord gives us the invitation to come into His presence? Be ye separate and come out from among them, and I will receive you. No husband. Who is a gentleman. Will put the intimacy with his wife on display. And exploit her tenderness. He is inviting you to come into the presence of himself alone. That he can love on you alone. Come on, he, he will love on you to an extent here in the corporate setting, but he has a place reserved for oneness, and that is an intimacy that you cannot fathom until you answer that invitation to come into him. That's two dimensions coming together him in you, and you in him. When those two dimensions come together, there's no separating or tearing them apart. Whom God has put together, let no man tear them apart. Will you receive that word this morning? If you will. I want to extend the invitation that I feel from the Lord, and I want you to make a move. Whatever that move is, it doesn't matter. Whatever that move is, I just ask you to make that an initial move. That you will then begin to walk in the presence and into the presence of Yahweh. As he says, come into me, and I will multiply myself in you. There's a hope churning on the inside of you. I'm telling you that there's a Holy Spirit that is leaping because it knows of the babe that is in your womb. It knows that what is on the inside of you is of the Holy Ghost and is the Son of God. It knows that Yeshua dwelleth on the inside of your heart. And the Holy Ghost today leaps with joy. I'm putting the ball back in your court. What you do with what I've given you today is solely up to you. Will you abort it? Or will you see it through? So many want to cry out, For the abortion that is taking place in this nation. But what have I said? I believe that it is very evident. That what happens in the natural. Is actually. uh, That is actually determined by what is taking place in the spiritual. And the church is spiritually aborting the hope that is alive on the inside of them. And we must not cry out for those babies that are being torn apart. Because we are tearing apart the Christ within the church. Will you carry this thing or will you abort it? Will you carry this hope inside of you or will you abort it? Will you chase the river that it will be released? Come on. When a woman begins to give birth, something happens on the inside of her matrix, on the inside of her womb, and they say the water has broken. Come on. When the depths of your deep begin to break up and cry out, there's a consequence called heaven's windows being opened. What will your response be this morning? What will you do with the word that God has given you this morning? You take me out of that equation. Because God would have spoke this word regardless of whether it was me, Brian, Jason, or whoever it may have been. He'll use you if you let him. Because it's determined by what you do with the hope will you continue to abort the word of life on the inside of you or will you see it come to fruition will you let the rivers of living waters within your womb spew on the outside of you will you let the knowledge of the goodness and the glory of God flood your community it first got to love your got to flood your reality then it's got to flood your home it'll flood your community flood your region and flood your nation ultimately it will flood the entire existence of humanity but what you do on this day will determine what happens then let us pray Father we bow our heads in your presence God today I am I am utterly humbled and do not even know what else to say God I have no words to explain how I feel and what I feel in the moment God, I have no words that could, that could adequately describe the, 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 the sincerity and the heartfeltness and the tenderness and the kindness to God. That delicate embrace that I feel right now. But I believe that you're calling every one of us into that delicate embrace this morning. You're calling every one of us into that gentle that, 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 that gentle touch of your hand. Where you say, this is what I've always wanted. I've wanted to love on you. Listen, I said yesterday that God does not need an incentive to love you. He only wants your consent. He stands apart until your heart proclaims, Yes, Lord. Have your way with me. If not Mary. Then it would have been someone else. If Joseph had not risen up to the occasion to tend the womb and to tend the holy thing within Mary, then someone else would have been called and have risen up to the occasion. If it will not be you, be assured that it will be someone who will say yes to the Lord. I heard Damon once say that they were in Washington D.C. protesting the abolishment of abortion. And this little girl got up who had quit her. She, she had a political career in politics. A prominent career. She quit that career and started adopting babies. And she got up to lead prayer. And she said, let me tell you something. If you don't want them, don't pray for them. Because if you ain't going to take care of them, who will? If you ain't going to take care of them, don't pray for the abolishment of abortion. Now some of us may view that differently, but I'm going to tell you something. There's too many aborting the hope alive on the inside of them. But God will not let it die. If you abort it, God will give it to someone else. God will not Allow his dreams to perish. Call me selfish. But if you won't fulfill your dreams, I will for you. Don't abort them, God. Send them to me. I can't adequately pray for you to nourish and nurture the hope alive on the inside of you if I wouldn't take it in the instance that you abort it. I'm not gonna let I'm not gonna let doubt abort the dreams that God has spoken into this church. Say amen.
0: Our vision for the Rooted Legacy podcast is that we give as much free content to God's creation as possible. However, if you've been affected by God's word and would like to give, you can do so at Tithely online or on the Tithely app. Just search Laurel Branch Church of God. Our address is Clear Fork, West Virginia, 24822. That is tithely.ly, tith dot Thank you for listening, and may God bless you and all that you do today.